This is First Curious, the podcast of new poetry reviews. I'm Benjamin Landry. Taken down from the bookshelf today is Given by Liza Katz Duncan, published by Autumn House Press in April 2023. Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky at morning, sailors take warning. So goes the seafaring adage meant to ensure safe maritime passage which Liza Katz Duncan references in an early poem in her debut collection, Given. It has something to do with how light reflects off atmospheric particles, combined with prevailing westerlies. As unreliable as this may be as a predictor, the comfort is in the repetition, knowing that Atlantic oceangoers have repeated this chant to themselves for hundreds of years, makes it, to all who repeat it under their breaths, a sort of speech talisman, against the barely restrained disaster of vengeful winds, swelling waves, and sharp rocks. Of course, one does not have to set sail in order to court the ocean's dangers. In Given, the ocean comes raging inland, flooding and destroying much of the New Jersey town Duncan calls home in Hurricanes Irene and Sandy. These massive storms changed the landscape, development, and demographics of the shoreline, and are two of the more recent notable incarnations of extreme weather wrought by climate change. To date, Sandy is the largest Atlantic hurricane on record. Even in more tranquil moments, the chaotic churn of the ocean makes itself known, as Duncan details in Bayshore Elegy. The bay spits up a tire swing, sun-sick rubber, split rope, You'd have to be crazy to call home a strip of sand that will be underwater in 50 years. Even now, barefoot, you might cut your feet on hundred-year-old glass the bay purged. These poems live fully through the senses, but they are thoroughly informed by the knowledge that in failing to respond adequately to the threat of climate change, we have ignored our red dawn warning. The poem, Ekphrasis, Sandy further details the storm's approach and destruction, but it is interrupted by a plangent third section. A daylight moon, bloated over the bay, pulls the tide high over the bulkhead, the way one might lift a child, their small fingers struggling. See where the water left prints of yellow foam for days. The transfiguring of a rushing storm surge into a helpless child foreshadows the collection's primary concern the author's loss of a longed-for child in miscarriage. It's eerie how the accretion of cells of and hopes for this unborn child tracks with our sense of the storm's burgeoning and arrival. The arbitrary effects of the storm's landfall and the child's non-arrival, both at work in the book's title, which ends up being the title of a long poem told in installments over the duration of the collection. We are meant to feel the precariousness of embodiment, as noted in the collection's powerful final poem, Landfall. In the wake of the destruction, I tried to convince myself my body was not my ruin, my body, a slender barrier island between the Atlantic and an estuary. The first and final lines of the quoted text are borrowed from other nonfiction sources, and Landfall reads like an existence reconstituted from the storm's rack. Simultaneously, It is a dislocated diary of grief. The speaker registers the personal impact of the miscarriage even more keenly than the impact of the storm. Key to understanding the depth of the speaker's loss 
is a series of intervening poems following an unspecified neighbor or relative by the name of Christina, a wizened and dissolute character who rides out the storms in her damaged house and longs as much for drink as for a connection with her neglected daughter. Nothing for her here in the dark house, begins the Christina poem. Nothing outside but grocery lines, gas lines, the bay under an ice flow, below waves suspended mid-curl. Only an interruption of snow to discern land from water. Across it, Brooklyn fades. In the blurred dark, she fingers her ribs like piano keys, runs one fingernail down the crease at the corner of her mouth to measure out the years. In five days, she hasn't left the house, but she wants the snow-bright world outside her window. She wants it desperately. She wants it not at all. Because of the shared title diction, this passage of the poem immediately recalls Andrew Wyeth's Christina's World. The frustrated and resigned picture window vantage of Duncan's Christina mirrors the mown grass line constraint of Wyeth's Christina. Wyeth's model, Christina Olson, was physically unable to walk, but it is depression and addiction which limits Duncan's Christina's ability to imagine an alternative existence. Outside, the wind picks the bones of the frailest trees, the poem continues. She dresses in the dark. The daughter has put herself to bed again, closed the door to keep the monsters out. Seeing this, her heart cracks open. The poem does not clarify whether the monsters signify abuse or simply the many ways in which the mother has failed to provide a stable home life for her daughter. Regardless, the memory of this broken home becomes a goad for the collection's speaker, who suffers the simple drift, a breaking away, of the unborn daughter she dubs Little Iceberg, Little Almost. Dear Almost, given and ungiven, Every day somewhere in a doctor's office, a nightmare makes landfall. Every day somewhere in a waiting room, a girl is pictured on the local news in grimly precise detail, the mother claiming the unrecognizable body, wreckage in exponential wounds. Every day somewhere, someone's absence pierces the chemical sky. There are, of course, infinite ways that one suffers in this life, but for this speaker, the greatest suffering is the wished-for daughter who never existed in the first place. Why do we need this poetry now? In a straightforward, narrative way, paying deference to the image, Liza Katz Duncan's Given addresses the voids which increasingly seem to define our 21st century. Who or what gives, and to what extent are we worthy or ready to receive these gifts? If the gift is the bounty of a healthy planet, one could argue we have squandered it thoroughly. Elsewhere, Duncan's Given guides us through the arbitrariness. In addressing the particular phenomenon of miscarriage, Duncan's writing provides a community for the up to 15% of women who experience miscarriage. Even if Duncan is haunted by the loss of her child, her collection remains open to the idea of hope. What does it say that I pretend I am safe, anchored by the weight of a continent, she asks. Dear Almost, it was a year before I could dream you into a girl. You no longer belong, she concludes, though the water, the water remembers.
That's it for this episode of First Curious. Much gratitude to Deborah Sedell for our theme music, with production assistance from Ryan Miller. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, and consider donating via the button on the First Curious Red Circle homepage with my thanks in advance. See you next time. Thank you.